G'day and welcome to a Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much to both of them. Now, if you may miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Now, today I'd like to introduce you to Halal Kara, who is doing a PhD in geography and planning under the supervision of Dr. Beverly Mullings. Welcome to Grad Chat, Halal. Oh, thank you. Thank you for Colette and CFRC. They're just organizing this amazing opportunity for us. And thank you, Colette, for this opportunity. Now, actually, it's interesting because Halal also has a show on CFRC, which we're going to talk a little bit about that later on in the show. So, yes, so it's really nice to have a fellow DJ, I'd say, or host, of a show on on grad chat so i'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more about your show hello yeah, we can talk we can talk yeah i can yes. advertise our show just <laughs> <laughs> well it's all about sharing isn't it <laughs> and promoting with each other so apart from that which i said we're going to do a little we'll talk about your show a little bit later what i'd like to talk about of course is your research first up so you're in geography and planning which mm-hmm. as i've mentioned before is a really big department and lots of different areas so are you in what's called the human geography side of things yeah it's a i think hard question just to put yourself human and physical geography is a huge debate on the which where each field you are describing yourself but definitely i can call myself human geography and i can call myself economic geographer and labor geographer looking oh, at okay. issues the labor and the how labor relations is changing and looking at the space and time and the work. So just I can call myself labor geographer under the big uh, umbrella term, the human geography. But it's a huge debate. But we are not going to go there. Because <laughs> that's that's time for another show. That one is yes, it. Probably. Yes. probably. <laughs> so um, I want to give people a bit of feel, a bit of talk a little bit more about your background because yes. you did your undergrad at the what's called the Middle East Technical University in Turkey yes is that did you do your master's there as well or did you do yes. that somewhere else yes just I get my master degree and bachelor degree in Turkey Ankara the capital of the Turkey Middle East Technical University actually I have a degree in political science and public administration ah, and that's, that's why I Yes, and Combined. so I started to very interest in the space and the actually work and the labor and the how our work identifying, descri- describing our relationship to space and time. So just, oh God, I realized those questions of the geography discipline asking. So I get, get towards to my research to the geography discipline. I have a master's degree in urban planning and local governments okay. program in Turkey. And uh, in my master's degree, I did some work with the domestic uh, workers and how women, domestic workers, experiencing the city through uh, committing patterns. And so I realized, okay, I'm doing geography. So I decided to do my PhD in geography. And then, yeah, I'm here right now. Actually, just thanks to my supervisor, Beverly Mullings. She's an amazing person. So (laughs) thanks to her, I came here. 
and then just hopefully finishing my PhD this year. Hopefully, <laughs> you know, just the PhD is like always giving some kind of the timeline, but those plans is always is not gonna realize. I know, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting you said you came here because of Professor Mullings. So, when you were looking to do your PhD, mm-hmm. did you look around? particular countries or institutions or by the professor because some people look for their research depending on the professor yeah actually I think it depends on the person it depends on what kind of researcher you are gonna be planning to be so actually I in my master thesis I realized I'm doing some kind of the feminist geography and I'm looking at work and what is the feminist geography feminist geography looking at the geography from different gender perspective gender is also important basically right. feminist geography try to understand gender relationship is also important in this space and the work is also important part of it so I conducted the field work and I made interview with female domestic workers and when they are committing across the city and I realized I'm doing some kind of the feminist praxis because the in feminist praxis your positionality is really important who you are what kind of researcher and then i always interested in the work and the how work defines us or how we define our relationship to work and right. so when i look at the, the who are who what kind of the geographers who are dealing with the, those issues and i just I look at them i found the beverly mullings and then just ah. i wrote her and i was lucky i was really i feel myself very lucky to working with her and then i came here it's actually is a very interesting journey for me because I get my old degree in Turkey and then I found myself in Canada actually and I realized actually it helps you and always suggest the other people to go to other places going abroad because it's expand your horizon broaden your understanding because if I just stay in Turkey probably I only know some issues in Turkey specific Turkey and after I came here I realized there are so many similarities okay there are differences but there are also uh, similarities between different worlds Turkey and Canada and different places so just uh, coming to here helped me a lot to develop my understanding I read a lot so just yeah I came here but I I'm definitely fun of the geography discipline. I love it. (laughs) You can tell. (laughs) And for those of you, because you can't see us, Halal is being very animated. (laughs) So that's fantastic. So so let's get on to your actual research that you have been working on. And for everyone who's listening, if you can hear that, that is my dog playing with a squeaky toy, which is not the best thing to have. (laughs) So your research topic is... Precarious work among young graduates in Turkey, a gendered spatial and temporal analysis. So can you give us an overview of what that is? And in particular, what do you mean by a gendered spatial and temporal analysis? Because that might be a bit confusing for people. Yes, yes. The space is just, you know, just the the places around us and the time, which we know those concepts. And the geography is a... I think it's a very important discipline bringing to experiencing how we're experiencing space and the place and time. And why gendered? Because I made interview mostly young graduates. They are identifying themselves women. And then I try to understand how they are experiencing precarious labor environment, work environment, and the political environment, in the, specifically in the Turkish context. And then what I mean, the precarity, precarious. Precarious means the state of the uncertainty. I think just during the COVID times, we all experiencing precarity and the precariousness. 
And then I just to try to understand how gender relations specific to work and experiencing the public space differentiate the women's experiencing precarity in specifically in the Turkish context and how women young graduates they are highly educated young women they are experiencing unemployment and working in the precarious job and how those relationship affecting their experiencing space so i hope it's uh, i'm trying to a bit elaborate but it's sometimes the hard but how they are experiencing everyday life when when they go to outside and the, how they are experiencing the balancing work life balance and then how they are experiencing gender discrimination in the labor market and what kind of strategies they are producing and actually with my supervisor and I develop a concept uh, based on those interview we call weight space Weight space refers to something, especially in the Turkish context, young graduate unemployment spiked over the two decades. It's just a tremendous rise in the unemployment rate among the young graduate. There are so many reasons maybe we can talk about later. And so we saw, especially the interview, I made an interview with 62 young graduate and they always repeated to use from the waiting, wait, stuck in the wait, stuck in the wait space. So we decided, okay, there's a, some kind of the concept actually interview research respondents are producing. So we adopted from their testimonies and then we call wait space. And we call wait space a gendered space because men, uh, young graduate, are not experiencing same as the a women young graduate experiencing precarity, uncertainty, unemployment. Because there are so many dynamics we are experiencing. Actually, COVID-19 uh, kind of revealed this gender disparity, how we are experiencing uncertainty. It's interesting because you're doing it through the COVID times. So you you were able to start this at the beginning of your yeah. PhD. So that's good timing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, this quite affecting everybody's work and then our everyday life, you know. And then I was planning to do face-to-face interview but the COVID-19 changed everything so I did online interview and it's actually affected my research better than I expected because I was planning to make an interview over 30, 32 women but in some point the number just spiked. Why? Because many women they are stuck at home either they are unemployed or they are working in the precarious job they just uh, kind of find my research my interview is a kind of the very safe environment actually they are kind of recommended to me the older people and they said oh here is a wonderful person you should talk and actually they find this interview is a kind of the therapy moment for them it's just it's a very interesting thing just uh, i wasn't expecting before started my field work during the covid COVID actually changed many things, our positionality as a researcher and what is the field work, it's changed many things. So we try, we, I try to adapt it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So with that then, what have you found so far in the Turkish context? Yes. With, with the people that you've managed to speak to and things like that. What, yes. what have you found? Yes, and definitely just I cannot generalize the all information I get the fieldwork because I conducted in-depth interview with 62 right. young people, most of them majority and women. 
and they are aged 22 to 30. And definitely, I just I found one of the, my finding is the work relationship is changing, and it's affected by the patriarchal relationship. It's affected by the precarity, and those precariousness, uncertainty, is not some kind of the result of the changing in the work relationship. It's also the change is in the political environment, especially in Turkey. Over the last decade, 10 years, we are experiencing there's an economic crisis and there is a political crisis. And the state especially envisaged a kind of certain femininity and uh, pushing the, especially the women to be mother, to stay at home. But the problem is, especially why I conducted the fieldwork with, uh, with young women having a university degree, because they, are, they went to the college to get that job, the stability, a kind of certain um, uh, economic certainty. But at the end of the day, because of the economic crisis, high inflation and the currency crisis, there is no job outside. I'm not talking about something to decent right. job. There is literally, there is no job. So right. those, especially the young women, much more become relied on their family. And then they are delaying marriage, delaying motherhood. It also right. creates a different thing because the state, especially uh, the right now, the ruling government pushes, pushes young women, encourage have babies, big mother, caretaker. But at the same time, right now, it's a kind of the impossible because for young women, they are st- stuck uh, at home, they are much more relied on the informal workspaces, their families. So one of the outcome I finding I found, especially young women, they are using both informal workspaces as a way to produce a kind of economic stability. And informality actually becomes an important tool to get a relative economic certainty because the informal workspaces, informality refers to the working outside the wage or uh, working without employment insurance. But informality becomes the only way for especially the young women to find of the for income generation. So informality, family is becomes the more important thing for especially the young women to deal with the precarity and the precariousness, the state of the uncertainty. Those right. are but of course there are some kind of the trade-off using the staying at home and using the informal ties because especially societal expectation the family expectation expect the young women if they stay at home their parents and their elder family members expect the young women undertake more unpaid work in the home so it creates a kind of the loop uh, loop based on the precarity for the young women right. so just the, one of the i think important finding what i found in my research politics and economy is really entangled, especially the expecting how young women experiencing precarity and the precarious work. That's really interesting. So, but how does this work in terms of what are you hoping to do for Turkey and the women of Turkey in these in this situation? I mean, are you looking at trying to change some policy or just making an awareness? Or I'm only a PhD student and I can just try to find something. The fieldwork. You're not just a PhD student. You've got some very interesting work that needs to be shared. Yes, I hope the politician can hear my research finding. They can do something. Of course, there are so many policy suggestions we can 
have to say, especially just the encouraging to hiring young women, young graduates, because the one of the important thing experiencing young women when they entering the labor market, employer sets them, you are inexperienced. But especially the young graduates, they are actually complaining about if the employer didn't hire us where they can be get experience. So there is a kind of the loop for them, especially the young graduates. They try to find an experience in the labor market, but the employers are reluctant to hire young graduates. And especially in Turkish labor markets, there's a discrimination against the women. And according to research to last year, maybe the two years ago, many employers doesn't want to hire women. Why? Because they are thinking women, they are going to get married, they have a, have babies. So there's a kind of the disruption happening in their work experience. So they do, the employer doesn't want to manage this kind of the disruption. And it's also kind of the societal expectation because the, the women's place should be in the home. But the problem is right now there is a new generation kind of the raising in Turkey. They are more educated. They have feminist ideals because they are not trying to fit the patriarchal gender norms, conventional gender norms. They are going to go outside. They are going to go to socialize. They are using social media. Social media is the important space for them to raise their voices and especially the gender discrimination they are experiencing in workplace in the public space in the pub uh, it's also important things the social social media virtual spaces also emerge some kind of spaces they are improvising to different strategies so just the policy could be what i suggest probably maybe internship but paid internship because the one of the problem young graduate experiencing volunteership the unpaid internship one of the it's kind of the reproduces the precariousness for them because they are trying to get experience but they are being unpaid and maybe kind of the just the enlarging expansion of this kind of the paid internship particularly maybe aiming the young women's integration to the labor market it could be something and uh, some incentive maybe the state could be incentive to the imp- give the incentives to employers to hire young women but right now i can say the state especially the government the ruling government perspective is different so uh, just what am i suggesting maybe it could be utopic <laughs> but yes yes there are so many things there are i think we need some structural changes especially in the turkish context but not specifically turkish context maybe we can talk about later <laughs> well it's interesting though because a lot of things that make changes change depending on who's in who's ruling at the time or who's in government at the time yes, and so yes. you could be making progress one year and then yeah. another another group comes another party gets in yes. and then you're back to square one So just just making people alert or aware of the work that you're doing in terms of how it could look. Mm -hmm. You're not saying this is definitely the way to go, but this is one option or one strategy that could potentially be brought in. So so how does this research you talk about, you know, how is it applicable outside the Turkish context, your your work? Because you could you could easily parallel some of this to say Canada, other English nations or even you know what what could happen down in South America what could happen in any parts yeah. of the world yeah. how could we how could we use this research as well 
Definitely. Actually, when I think my literature review, I realized there are so many similarities in the African region and the Middle East, but not specifically those regions. It's also Canada because youth and employment is a very, very important issue. The constraint to how COVID-19 affecting the labor relationship, how just the work-life balance is shifted, how we are experiencing time-space shifted, actually. So, and, and we are living a globalized world, the capitalist world. So everything is connected to one another. And the many people in the, especially scholarly work, when are looking at the, the Turkey's, there's an economic crisis, there's a rise of authoritarianism, there's a kind of the gender discrimination, but I think it's not specific to Turkey. And the many young women right now in Canada, they are experiencing sexual harassment in campus is a very big issue. And especially the what we are experiencing at Queen's is also another problem. And we are right now talking about 2022, what we are still talking about gender wage gap and how it possible right just uh, so but there's still there is still gender disparity and not specific to turkey and we saw hungary poland in many european countries so i think there is uh, what's happening in turkey it's also kind of reflecting itself to other places so we cannot separate they are connected. Of course, there are differences, but they are really connected, I think. Just so maybe when we look at what's going on in Turkey, it's also we can see some outcomes and some policy suggestions can, can be applicable to Canadian context. It's interesting because when you talk about Turkey in one of the issues that employers have is that, you know, if they employ women, they're probably going to get pregnant and they're going to be away from work, da 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 But one of the things that COVID has shown that more people, depending on the job, can potentially work from home <laughs> because they can do it online as we're yes. doing right yes. now. So do you think that needs to come in as part of your suggestions and kind of thing of saying well don't think of an, an, an employment place as only being in person in a particular thing because as yeah. we're seeing things are changing so if when you're looking at changing whether it's the the wage disparity or whether mm-hmm. the number of jobs available mm-hmm. putting it forward well you know not all these jobs need to be in person they can be online yes yeah and so I- the money you're saving on um, yes. not having office space. Yes, yes. You could be put yes. that to be employing more women. <laughs> Definitely. I think that we need some kind of the measurements, the gender-specific measurement, how we measure which how we right. measure unpaid work. We definitely, employers definitely should think the the measure unpaid work because we are, we are thinking unpaid work is invisible. It's happening in the home and the community spaces, but it is still work. So employers right now have to consider there is a huge amount of unpaid work makes possible life without food, without clothing, without laundry. We cannot talk about life, right? Just that we experience all of that. So just probably the employers, they need to consider the measure unpaid work. And this is also interesting. Men also started to involve in the unpaid work. So we have to consider different layers, the gender, probably maybe they should develop some kind of the gender measurement of the paid work and unpaid work. And another thing, I think the class, economic status is also an important part of it, because as we know, there are some jobs 
they can be remotely and some job cannot be done remotely and especially the the employ um, the young women they working in the I made interior they are kind of the frontline worker and so they haven't an opportunity to working from home it's also another interesting dimension bringing who are able to working from home who cannot able to work from home it's also another kind of just the class position if you are a middle class professional worker probably you have an opportunity working from home but it's also there are disadvantages to working from home because there is a kind of the work life balance came in the picture so we have to consider class dimension the employment status but across the sectors across to employment status class gender measurement of the unpaid paid work kind of the measurement of course it depends on the context but we need some kind of the different measurements to looking at the unpaid work well said really <laughs> really well said because there is a lot of things that you need to think about and i always say sometimes you know we see more more males now deciding that they will bring up the kids yes. and the woman will go to to work yeah. and yes. be the breadwinner if you yeah. want to use yeah. an old context and i yeah. and i always think that with that reversal more things might be available for looking after their kids yeah. than they used to be before. The more men get there, the more things are probably going to change. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a bit of a bias on my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it makes very interesting, especially the, one of the important research findings I found in the field work. Many young women gave up looking for a job. Why? Because the working becoming more costly. Because they just uh, they are gonna pay it under minimum wage. They are not. I'm talking about the formal wage work. They are not gonna get employment insurance. So they right. decided why I should go to work. So they are actually willing to stay at home. So and it's so interesting for me. Unemployment becomes a better opportunity for them. So it's shifting all dynamics we assume to work. Unemployment, employment. So we have to consider, especially those young women, young people, stay at home because they are. There is no decent job opportunity outside. Right, right. Okay. So last question before I go back to the pod, your show. <laughs> so, what is the unique contribution of this research to the academic and non-academic world? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big question. It's a big question, and maybe <laughs> uh, it's not unique. Probably there are so many research looking at the youth unemployment labor issue, but especially in the geography discipline, my contribution bringing something looking at the youth and the work really work together because the mostly in the youth studies in sociology in the geography discipline particularly they are looking at the culture and the, what kind of youth culture but the work labor class is mostly neglected right. part and then I actually trying to bring in my discipline particularly bring the youth geography. There's a, a sub branch and the economic geography together. This contribution I think it's important. And another contribution I'm bringing at a different context, Turkey. And the Turkey is an interesting country. It's between somewhere the west, east, because global north and south. And I believe it is a part of the global south. But the what's going on in Turkey is also interesting case to see what's going to be happen in possible places in global north and global south. Is another interesting contribution could be. And the, I also bring the gender perspective and the how 
we are a women, men, they are experiencing uh, precarity and what kind of the space and the time differently experienced by different gender groups. So I think another contribution to me. So just, yeah, and uh, another thing, I also experienced precarity a lot <laughs> as a young person. I'm 30. And then uh, when I entered the labor market, is also I, I have to juggle between different precarious jobs. I worked informally, formally. So it just it's also kind of the work came from my story too. It's not some kind of the just the research. It's also my story. <laughs> and I think that's the story of a lot of students right now too, and, and women in particular in Canada, international students yeah. and things. Yeah. That's- precarity situation so yes it covers a, a lot of a lot of areas so you said you got like you're hoping to finish this year so I know putting all that together is not yeah. going to be easy but just from what you've told us now I think you're on the right track and I think you know exactly how you want to write this up <laughs> so. yeah I have to finish my PhD as soon as possible so I'm going to join to another unemployed PhD <laughs> no you we will we will get you we will get you a job I, I think you'll I think you'll be fine I think there's no problem there uh, as I keep saying we just have to all think positive and there's yeah. always there's always something out there for us yes yes so. just the, yeah there's the, the we are living in uncertain times but it's so interesting especially just the interview the research participants show me there's also hope because yeah. okay everything is very bad there's a precarity uncertainty and there's a gender discrimination but they are producing different ways to navigate this precarity they have household strategies they have they actually producing solidarities and through using the informal ties so it's also interesting there is always a structure they are producing reproducing gender disparity but i think i saw especially in the field work Women are really powerful to just claim their space. And even though they are experiencing exposed to gender discrimination, many young women actually, they are saying, no, I'm not going to be the women, the state or the society wants me to be, to become. I want to be a different woman. So I think it's a very strong discourse they are producing. So I think there's hope. (laughs) <laughs> the, the, there is hope and with people like you it's gonna make things so much better as well oh, so, so so good work on that so before we finish I do want to come quickly to your own radio show that you've got on CFRC which you're co-producing and co-hosting and it's called Flaneur Flaneur, Flaneur, Flaneur. Yes. and can you tell us a little bit about it because we might as well give it a bit of a plug yeah. and why did you want to do it yeah, actually, we started with my close friend because she's also a PhD student in kinesiology department. And then the last year, and we just started with the last of the Turkish music. And then we started just, we put the flaneur and the flaneur because of some kind of the figure and just the vendor around the world and just the observer. So actually, we right. are sharing our stories, observation and what's going on, our everyday life, and we are talking about, we are obviously doing a very amateurish way. We are not professional. We are volunteering. And so That's it's good, a though. kind of, yes, yeah, we're just trying to having fun, and we are sharing our fun to the, with other people. So we are, this is a multicultural show, multi-generational show, because we are being jazz, and we are being rock and arabesque-specific Turkish context but so we decided we started with the Turkey and then oh we should listen to other multicultural music and the different languages because the music is not specifically English right so just right. The, 
So we decided to explore the different places. So we did something from Central Asia, the Poland, Finland, and then it's a kind of the, the through this music show we are exploring different places. Fantastic! Oh, it sounds like it's, it's a lot of fun, and that's great. And and this is the good thing about CFRC; they do give us all opportunities yeah. to. Give, give something like this a go because you said you're, you know, you're not professional, none, nor, nor yes. am I, and most of us at CFRC are volunteers, Yes, yes. But, it's, but we can learn so much from it. And it's helped me a lot, especially we started actually this show during the COVID times and right. I was far away in my country, my family, I was living alone and my friend also. It's actually this show helped us to deal with the uncertainty. Actually, right. we produce our own way to deal with the uncertainty, precarity, precariousness. Right. And so I definitely suggest just the other people, undergrad and the, uh, volunteering and this show helped me a lot. Yes. And they're always, as I keep saying, CFRC are always looking for new programming because yes, they would yes. prefer programming that's produced here as opposed to the home to use syndicated. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. They are programming. Yes. Yeah. So, just well, well done. Well, thank you. Halal. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. You've got a lot going on there and it's a really important topic that you're you're researching so best of luck with that and thank i know you. you're going to do really really well with that thank you Carla. thank you for this opportunity <laughs> no worries at all so that's it everyone a another week of grad chat sadly comes to an end but don't forget you can download the show tomorrow from either itunes google podcast spotify or stitcher just type in grad chat until next week this is cj the dj signing off with a big hooray for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.